I've, I've definitely talked myself out of some bad ideas. I don't know if that counts for uh, anything. I think it's just like when, um, when you're first starting and you have like these pie in the sky things, you have to be clear on where your skills and capabilities are and who your team needs to be. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Morgan, and today we're going to be cooking up some cheddar chicken bites wrapped in bacon, and we're going to be talking about finding your big idea with my new friend, Sam. Sam, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. That sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah. So this is Sam Sanders, everybody, author of the book, Your Next Big Idea, uh, also has been in all sorts of other cool projects that we're going to talk about. Uh, but first things first, we got to get some stuff on the grill here. Apologies that you have to watch and not eat. Uh, but what we have today is I'm putting a little duck fat on the, uh, on the grill. One of my favorite things. Heck yeah. Uh, so we have some chicken breasts that we're kind of, we kind of made a pocket out of and put some cheddar cheese in. And then we wrapped it in bacon and we hit it with some, some barbecue seasoning on the outside. So you see me kind of sopping up a little bit of that seasoning here. Allegedly, word is that we may start having video available on Spotify now. And so you can watch these episodes. If you're just listening, you can watch these episodes on Facebook. You can watch them on YouTube. And pretty soon you'll be able to watch them on Spotify as well. I'm a regular Joe Rogan now with the video on Spotify. <laughs> Well, with the way that barbecue looks, you know, <laughs> it's probably a good watch. Yeah, it'll be it'll be really good. So, Sam, um, tell me a little bit about your background. I want to get into your book in just a second, but tell me about your background. How did you get into where you wrote this book? I kind of have three core experiences that led to your next big idea in this book. The first was when uh, I started this company called Wondershirt with uh, my co-founder, Michael Shaw, great, great business fan. Um, and we were selling like performance athletic clothing. Uh, I was very like top, top tier high tech clothing. I was working with nanofabric. So we were working with like top tier athletes, including some athletes training for the 2016 Olympics. And during that time, I really got to see the whole creativity, ideation, entrepreneurial process from the entrepreneurial perspective. Um, after that, or um, I worked with, uh, for an Inc. 5000 fastest growing company called ArcWeb. Uh, they do like, it's like a product shop. So you come to them with technology needs um, and they'll be help, you know, like build you the technology that you need. It was a great company to work for. And it was, it was a small, fast growing company. It's, um, you know, while I was there, I was working on operations. I was a part of the R and D, like deciding on new uh, product focus. And so I really got to see like the creativity and ideation process at a small, fast growing company. And then the third experience, I worked um, at Cognizant Technologies, large Fortune 500 company doing business development. And there I got to see how, you know, big companies look at, you know, growing and like building and ideation and entrepreneurship with inside like these large systems. And so after those three experiences, I kind of came together and realized that, you know, I have this unique perspective on how people come up with ideas. Um, how people come up with business ideas and put all of that together into your next big idea to basically help people with that first step of the process. Like if you want to be an entrepreneur, you know, like, and you can't think of an idea where, where do you start? How do you find that idea? 
Um, if you're within a company and you want to try and be more creative, bring more entrepreneurial spirit, you know, like where are you, where should you be looking? Uh, and so that was, um, your next, your next big idea. Um, and at the same time I was, I was looking at starting, um, another company called, uh, Herd. So I was working on those in tandem. Your next big idea, um, did, did like relatively well. It won a lot of, of indie awards. It was a top 15 business book on Apple. Um, and it's helped propel me into doing some more really cool things. I've written articles for the LA Times about like play and creativity. Um, I've worked on board game design, which is like a really fun and unique thing. And we'll you know, work with a board game company called North Star Games. So it's just propelled, uh, propelled me forward in a lot of really unique and, and creative and fun ways. So that's my career in a nutshell. <laughs> when I got to know you, I was looking up the North Star thing. When you say like, oh, it's a game company, your mind goes automatically to something else. And then I saw it's like these are like old school, like cool board games. Right. So it was was, was a cool thing to see that my kids and I, we play board games and it's still, it's like a forgotten thing, right? It's so much fun to do physical games. It takes your mind to kind of a different place than when you're playing video games, for sure. When we talk about the big idea, you know, what, what do you think is, how do you determine a good idea from a bad idea or, or can you? Yeah. So within the uh, book, like one of the most important parts I talk about is there's like, there needs to be a feasibility check on everything you do. Now, like when do you do the feasibility check? I don't think you should be feasibility checking ideas as soon as you come up, come up with them. You know, there's gotta be uh, multiple steps where you're like looking at the idea, brainstorming around it, maybe erasing like some stigmas or like some uh, industry standards related to the idea and thinking about maybe can you work around them in an innovative way. But at some point you need to get a feasibility check. And there's three like quick questions I, I ask um, when when I'm looking at idea feasibility check. The first is like, is there a general market for this? You know, a lot of times like people come up with these really cool ideas, but they don't really know who exactly wants to pay for this idea. Who's going to move forward? You know, like uh, so there needs to be a market of people that want this. The second question that I think people forget to ask is, um, does the market want it now? So this is a little tricky because when you think about certain things, like let's just say like a typewriter, like, you know, that was a very exciting thing. Obviously now typewriters are only really exciting to collectors. And so um, it's not the right timing. But if you're looking like in the future, you know, like if I told you like, oh, we have this chip that you can put in your you know arm that will substitute your phone, like that would probably push a lot of people off. Maybe we'll end up there one day, maybe we won't. But it's just like you need to understand like where the market is in its timing. Um, and you can do little things to adjust, you know, market, uh, like, you know, customer and market timing via education. You kind of see that a little bit in the medical industry. Um, like I think it's, uh, boss, uh, one of the, uh, bridge enhanced ACL surgery, um, is like a very new type of surgery for those who yeah. face ACL uh, injuries. And so that's been, um, pushed forward and kind of used in a little bit more of a medical sense, even though like people don't hundred percent know what it is. So there is a little bit of pushing you can do, but it's really the medical industry is the most common place you see that in other industries. It's, it's really hard. It would just be really expensive and potentially, you know, cause failure. Well, first of all, you put, you pointed out the typewriter <laughs> typewriters, I think are really, are really hot right now for like hipsters yeah. writing poems. I was in, when I was in Austin last time, there was a, like a, a hip, like a hippie sitting on the side of the road that you could pay oh, 10 that. bucks to. And they, he would write a poem 
for you on a typewriter and hand it to you. And I still haven't figured out if that's the dumbest or coolest thing I've seen at Austin. And I'm still not sure whether it's dumb or cool. (laughs) But the one thing about ideas that I've always talked about is I think people spend too much time thinking that the idea has to be this perfect, like the only way you can start a successful business is if you just hatch some idea that no one's ever thought of before. Mm-hmm. And it's this break in new ground. And I just, that's just not true. Right. I mean, there's yeah. lots of successful businesses that are built on the backs of someone doing something that other people are doing, but just doing it better than they do. Yeah. Right. Or, or just executing better or having better marketing or better customer experience or doing it at a lower cost. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, my business was a pretty novel new idea, but there were other people that were trying that when I first started um, and we just did it much better. And so I think I think people have to remember that it's, you know, the idea is a piece of the puzzle and you've got to figure out, have a good have a good idea. But even good ideas with crappy execution aren't going to go anywhere. Right. And you got to make sure that you're positioned. Yeah to execute on something I could hatch, I could hatch the idea like, Hey man, we're going to cure brain cancer. That's the idea. Right. And, okay. Well, am I, <laughs> yeah. am I positioned at all to execute on that? No, I'm not. Right. Yeah. And I think that gets into the like last point that I was going to talk about is like, do you have the resources to make this happen? And I kind of have two things that I want to say here. It's like one, there's like, you have the skills, the technology, you know, like um, the, the team to, to make something happen, which is what you're alluding to. But another part of the um, uh, idea process, stepping back from like the feasibility check is, you know, like there is a push and like kind of a cultural thing where it's like, you need this amazing idea no one ever thought of. But um, a lot of ideas are just not like that. Like there's the scamper uh, methodology, which is like, you can put things to new use. You can amplify things, minimize like each of the S-C-A-M-P-E-R stand for uh, different things. Um, and so, you you know, like there's a lot of taking ideas and tweaking them to make them better. And the other thing I would say is like, you don't you need to solve the first step of any business is like solving a problem, catering to a need or like fulfilling a want. And so, like, if you're not doing one of those things, then you're not going to get off the ground, uh, regardless, even if you have a like, great execution, you need to yeah. hone in on like what that problem need or want is. And so. Those are the three things I would say in response to that. Like, make sure you have the resources to do it. A lot of ideas are are built by just adjusting other ideas. And then you need to make sure that you're solving a problem for someone. Do you have an example of a bad idea you've talked somebody out of before? <laughs> oh, man. Let me think for a second. I think, like, um, let's see. I've, I've definitely talked myself out of some bad ideas. I don't know if that counts for uh, anything. I think it's just like when um, when you're first starting and you have like these pie in the sky things, you have to be clear on where your skills and capabilities are and who your team needs to be. Um, and so, um, like at the time, there was there was a time where I was looking at my own idea of like retractable headphones. This is way back in the day before mm. Bluetooth was a common thing, <laughs> and. It just, I thought it made sense because like I carried my headphones everywhere with me, but it just, it really like, I was not a mechanical engineer. I didn't have the really the right background. When you did research on the technology, you can kind of see the direction it was going. And so talked myself out of that idea. Um, (laughs) So I'll I'll take the hit myself versus deal it out to someone else. But, you know, a lot of these ideas, they take, you know, like when you have conversations, it's not necessarily like 
oh, this is a bad idea. You're just kind of asking questions to make sure that, you know, the idea is really thought through. You shouldn't be afraid of having a bad idea, though, because if you're afraid of hatching a bad idea and explaining it to people and they laugh at you or they think it's dumb, I mean, that's just part of the process. Like, I I came up with some pretty... Mm -hmm crappy business concepts before I hit on a good one and actually came up with some ones that I still think were good ideas. I just couldn't execute on them. Yeah. Got a real estate website that made a ton of sense at the time, but I just, I mean, I wasn't in that industry. And so it was really difficult for me to execute on it. You know, I think that, um, I think there's a, there's gotta be a process by which you, you can sort of ferret these things out of whether it's a good idea. And it's part of what you talked about too, but, Talk about how you bring these ideas to other people and consider their feedback and whether or not they're positioned to give you feedback you should listen to. I think, you know, there's like this uh, fear with some new entrepreneurs that people will steal like your ideas, which I is it just it's statistically not really that realistic. It's just like somebody would need to, you would need to talk to somebody who wants to start a business, who understands the space as well as you and who like, you know, like once it's just, there's a lot of things that need to go that way. Um, and then on top of it, they would need, like the idea came from you. So they would need to like, you know, be a better like ideator than you, but you're the one who came up with the original idea. So I, I'm like a big advocate of sharing. I think I, when I think about sharing, there's, um, three different categories I put it in. So there's sharing with industry, uh, people. And so that's like, you're getting like kind of ex for feedback on like what's happening in your industry, what that means for how you're building um, uh, your idea or your business. And that's important to consider, obviously. And then there's the talking to your market. So who's like actually out there? That's very important to consider because it's like you need to be able to really hit in um, on those like problem needs and wants and even hit in on some emotions. Like if you can, you know, pair that with something that they truly like hate or find annoying, you know, like I always tell people that when they're looking for ideas, like in everyday conversation, like listen for the word hate, because that's like indicating someone's having a problem or they wish they could do something or they have to do something like these types of words are like triggers for you to like, you know, try and find your idea. So listening to your market. And then there are people that, um, you know, like you should share with outside of, um, outside of your, you know, market or your um, industry and, you know, just kind of get an outside perspective. Sometimes that outside perspective is refreshing. Um, you know, when I was running um, Wondershare, I remember I was talking with, I think it was, it was at like a family barbecue, simple like this. And, um, you know, someone gave me like a really great idea about how I could potentially like think about using um, the, the like shirt technology in a towel and he was, thir- he was just a 13 year old middle schooler just like listening and thinking. And so sometimes it's just weird ideas happen from weird places. So yeah, li- just listen and, um, you know, focus in on your market, focus in on the industry to understand the- how to build a business to market for how to cater to your customers. And then just always listen. Yeah. I think it's funny you brought up too. I'm going to check our chicken here while we're talking. I think it's funny that yeah, you brought up, it. uh, Ooh, yeah. I got a little cheese popping out of that one. That's nice. I think it's funny. Let's flip these bad boys. How's that sound? I think it's funny you brought up the whole, like, I don't want to tell you my idea thing. Because I can't tell you how many times I have run into an entrepreneur who doesn't want to tell me their idea. And I'm just trying to tell them, like, dude, I, I, you know, I had a guy who didn't want to tell me his restaurant concept that he was looking to open. And I'm like, dude, I am. I love food, but I am the last person you need to worry about opening a restaurant. You know, yeah. it just, it's just such a, 
to your point, it's just such an unfounded fear. Um, I mean, I guess if you if you had an idea for a restaurant, don't go tell like an established restaurateur, you know, what you're thinking about doing. Um, if you think they're going to steal it, but, but, but maybe you should, right. And maybe you yeah. should talk to somebody from that field who can go, yeah, that's, that's not going to fly or and maybe they're wrong. I mean, they may go, Oh, that's not going to work. And you take their feedback under consideration. They may not be right, but it may, um, yeah. be enough for you to sort of identify what the roadblocks are going to be for something like that. Um, I don't know. It's just, there's, we have this like weird, rock star complex in entrepreneurship that's happened in the last 20 years of like, you know, once Steve Jobs invented the the iPhone, he became this sort of godlike figure in entrepreneurship where um, everybody thought that that's what it looks like to be an entrepreneur. You have to create this world changing product and you have to be on a stage in your turtleneck and hold your thing up. And, and that's just, I mean, he is the outlier in that situation, right? It's just not a normal way that that plays out. And I think there's so much emphasis on um, that, sort of like the cultism of entrepreneurship, that it, it sort of hides the the dirty part, the hardworking, the crunchy part, right? The getting up early and just working and trying things and failing. And um, I talk about that on the show all the time. Like, it's just, it's not pretty starting a company like the, the people think that you're some genius and like you know the line between genius and and crazy idiot failure is very i mean it's just a thin line <laughs> right and it, it a lot of times the idea can be seem like a stupid idea until it works i think there's a couple of things i, I want to say about that like first i don't think people realize like you know the majority of entrepreneurs aren't even in that space it's like you have the local cleaning companies and you have like all you know like your local mom and pop convenience store like all those people are entrepreneurs you know like they're building businesses and they're not they're not going to be on the stage like you know uh, steve jobs but they they're building sometimes they're building family businesses you know some of them are, you know can build really profitable enterprises and so like you know those those people need to be recognized as well you know i think they sort of get pushed under the rug a little bit with our current uh you know culture. Um, but yeah, I think there's another element of it's, uh, it's just a long, uh, roller coaster is probably the best way to put it. It's just like, there are days as an entrepreneur where you feel like you're on, on top of it and it's going great. And there are days where it feels down and it's really hard. And you have to like, think about like, you know, like a lot of different, um, decisions. And when, you get recognized by press or at that point, like, you know, you're as big as Apple. It's like, you're only sharing the ups, but the downs are a big part of what pushes that forward. And the process of striking out on an idea can sometimes lead you to the big breakthrough. Right. And sometimes, I don't know. I mean, you know, I started a company that was a service that would watch you take an exam over a webcam. And that was like a decidedly dumb idea when I first heard it. Like I, it was pitched to me as a potential solution for us as a school. And my initial reaction was, that's pretty stupid, right? I mean, who's going to want to do that? <laughs> and then I end up kind of coming around and going, well, maybe, and then building, you know, the biggest company in the world that does that. Right. And so it just doesn't have to be this shining great idea. Sometimes ideas have got to kind of find their, their moment. Right. And, and, um, and sometimes you start on a project where you have, 
I don't know, you don't have the idea fully fleshed out until you start talking to customers. I think that's another big part of it too. It's like, yeah, if you hatch an idea, you need to go talk to people to your point earlier, you need to go talk to people, but especially talk to people who might buy it. Right. And ask them like, Hey, would you pay money for this and listen to what they say? Right. If you, if they say, you know, I don't think so. That's a hard stop, man. You better figure that out uh, before you go forward on a product um, or a service or whatever it is you're building. Like if somebody that would potentially buy it has not said, yeah, I'll pay money for that, then you haven't figured it out. Yeah. I mean, you just haven't, right? I mean, you, you got to, you got to, at the end of the day, businesses go out of business because they run out of money. They don't sell enough stuff. And so if you haven't gotten enough feedback from your potential market that somebody's going to buy something, then you haven't, you're not ready to, to launch on something. You're not even ready to start working on it. Yeah, I 100% agree. And one of the things that you're talking about with the, um, with the, the cameras, this is another good example. Like, that's a great example of market timing. Like at some point, that probably would have been like a little bit odd. And then uh, there is the right timing for it, the right need. And then all of a sudden it, it takes off. So that's just like, you know, again, like the, when and uh, there's a whole section on your next big idea on sharing, but it's just like, that's an active part of the idea ideation process. It's like you're, you have that idea, but it's not really a fully fleshed out idea until you're talking about it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the timing on Proctor U when we first came out, um, one of the biggest challenges was getting people webcams because webcams were not standard issue. This was in 08 and 09, right? And so this was pre-everything you buy having a preloaded webcam in it. And so it was a big deal. The Microsoft VX1000, I'll never forget that model number. It was a webcam that we just tried to sell to the world. Like, Listen, buy this thing. It's like 30 bucks or whatever. And uh, And then once... Once everything started to have a webcam in it, it kind of changed everything. It made made it a lot easier. And so, you know, I guess we we're a little fortunate in that perspective. Um, I did. Th- I do think we we knew that the model, the market was going to go that way, where they were start putting webcams in there, in in everything that you buy. But you know, I just don't. I I don't know. I think there's there's a lot there's a lot to it um, that people skip over. The talking to customers. I keep coming back to that. I mean, I don't. You know, I, I can't tell you how much smarter I seem just by simply asking smart people questions. Yeah. And and listening, right? And letting that inform my opinion. So I a hundred percent agree. Like, you know, like customers drive everything for something like that. What's always interesting is there's um like the uh kind of I think uh the curve on like when people will pick up new technologies. Uh, and so like it starts with the early innovators. And so like when you talk to industry folks, it's like, what are the early innovators, you know, doing like before the personal computer was everywhere. It's like there were still people working with computers. And so like you can kind of get a direction of where your market's going to go. And so like the insight that you had, you know, to see that, you know, webcams are going to be a, a regular part of um, the business is great. The insight that you're looking at your customers and like getting uh, actual feedback that, Yes, I would pay for this, um, and you know that's 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 uh, like great as well. So I, you know, like the it's the sharing is just a such a critical part. And sometimes you know sharing, you'll get like uh, other things. Sometimes you'll find a partner. Sometimes you'll find someone that wants to join. Sometimes you'll build on your idea a little bit more. So there's there's a lot that you can find from uh, sharing. Are you writing another book at any point? Have you got any ideas for another book? What's your big idea for another book? 
<laughs> I am in the process of like getting things together to uh, work on another book. I have um, th three in mind, but I have to wait and see what uh, what what the market demands. You know, there's a point where I'm going to build out um, these book proposals: one on creativity, one on uh, play, and one building on uh, some of the problem identification stuff. And there um, there needs to be. Uh, you know, like market feedback that it's funny that you say this because it's all connecting, but you know, like at once I build those book proposals, it's going to go to people in the industry, go to people uh, like readers and be like, you know, which, which do you find value in? And so that's, that's like um, something that I'm in like the uh, process of doing along with doing like more article writing and, and, and stuff like that, like more, you know, with, you know, like recently with the LA times and trying to push more, uh, articles out there to you know build build brand because that in the book industry that's a lot of uh, what pushes people uh, to make decisions. If you hadn't shared the potential book subjects after going on and on and on about sharing your ideas, like if you if you'd have been like, I don't want to talk about that, I was going to be like <laughs> hypocrite, you know, like. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's that's so you say creativity is one concept, right? What were the other two? Yeah, so the first one is like um, like quick tips on like you know science back tips on creativity. You know, there's um, there's uh, like uh, the research around creativity is a little bit tricky because we don't really have a really standardized way of measuring creativity. So it would be kind of taking that space and organizing it with like some of my experience and being able to like oh, kind of do like a, a quick. Uh, quick tip because you know like what exactly is creativity and it, when you think about I mean we have this high level picture when you but when you think about it you know like from a scientific perspective like how do you measure that and so there's a there's a couple different ways to measure that and then there's you know like pulling that together so that would be the first the second is on um play and so like how play can impact you know like our uh business lives creativity stuff like that and then the third one I'm looking on is would be more on like you know uh one of the things I talked about earlier is like looking for that word hate when you're trying to identify problems. And so it would be a deeper mm. dive into like that concept. So that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of like what I'm, what I'm looking at now. These are like, um, uh, very baby ideas. So you're getting to hear them at the very beginning. Yeah, stages. Baby. So I don't have, I don't have it all built out yet, but you know, that's, that's kind of the direction that I'm looking to move. So Sam, you talked about creativity. Like I, I think, do you think creativity can be taught or do you think it's something that people just have? So I'm a believer that creativity can be taught, but that some people start with just like a little bit of a head, uh, like a head start. So it's, I think, you know, one of the things about, uh, you know, the whole idea process, you know, a lot of like figuring out ideas would be categorized as creativity. Mm. You know, you need to know to look for, those problems needs and wants to be able to come up with ideas you need to understand all of the rules or like the stigmas i call it in the book of like your specific industry to be able to break some of those rules to get something that's really creative and so like there's kind of like this philosophy in business ideation that you can go through to to you know learn that learn this process um but you know like it's everybody kind of starts at a different point everybody you know there's kind of like a, a self-fulfilling uh, you know, like pattern going, if you don't really believe you're creative, you're not going to be creative. And it kind of repeats over and over through like the school, uh, like through maybe your schooling system or something like that. So, 
Um, you know, like first off, it's just like, you know, most people can come up with a, a brilliant business idea. You just got to uh, understand, you know, the process that goes through. And that's kind of the point of your next big idea to get people over the finish line. Yeah, it was a very good job of steering it back to your current book that people can go purchase. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think, I mean, when you talk about creativity, I think there's also like a version of creativity. There's like people that can hatch a brand new thing. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, I was really fortunate growing up. I had I had this these classes that I got to be in in uh, elementary and middle school that were Pat's classes. They called them. It was like uh, gifted classes, and there was there were teachers in there that would allow you a tremendous amount of free reign. And what what I always looking back on it, I think now is there's a level of there's a kind of creativity that is just a full hatch a new idea that nobody else saw. And then there's like a version of creativity that comes from like an iterator, right? So they take somebody else's like off the wall concept and they take it a couple steps further and they take it a couple steps in a different direction. And you would look at the work of our class. And um, I remember we, we were in an art class and there was this one kid at some point who did this incredible I can still picture it in my mind. I don't know how I'm going to describe this, but like it was a picture of a room that was drawn like with the wall in the back and it was like 3D as if the, you know, the walls on the sides are getting bigger as they approach to you. And he did this like incredible room with all these weird things in it. And all these other kids, myself included, saw this like crazy perspective thing. And you saw like 25 kids do all these weird takes on this one sort of 3d perspective. And some of them were great. And some of them were just both. Most of mine were just bozo stuff, but right. But like, I think that's, that's a, that's a version of creativity too. And I think you can steer that back to like, how do you start a business? Well, sometimes you don't have to, you know, hatch a brand new thing that no one's ever thought of. Sometimes you just got to make the better mousetrap, right? Sometimes you just got to take something and iterate on it you know, take something that wasn't online and bring it online, take something that was not in the cloud and put it on the cloud, take something that was hard to do and make it easier to do. I and mean, there's, it doesn't, it, I guess it doesn't always have to be some earth shattering Eureka moment. Yeah. And I think even some of the uh, like earth shattering Eureka moments are not even earth shattering as you think, like take, for example, like Spotify, which is the company that, you know, a lot of people, you know, love. It's yeah. like, well, there was also Napster and Pirate Bay and all of these other, you know, people. And so they're, they're I mean, Spotify is an incredibly innovative and creative company, but it's just uh, like it didn't start from zero. It's like there are other people out there. Yeah. And so there's That's a big part of um, of it. And sometimes that doesn't really get told in the story 100 percent. But, that you know, like there's there's usually a lot of iteration in any ideation. Well, yeah. Listening to music online was not the Spotify didn't invent that. And frankly, yeah. neither did Apple. Right. I mean, who did invent that? I don't know. MIDI files back in the nineties or eighties. Right. I guess. Or whenever somebody created, I guess when you created the MP3 it was sort of like the beginning of the modern version of listening to songs online. How old are you, by the way, Sam, I got to know where you fall in, <laughs> in the MP3. Where yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm 28, so... <laughs> okay, dude, don't talk to me if you didn't have LimeWire open on your computer, you know, trying to download a full download a full Dave Matthews album with all the song titles misspelled so it would, like, dodge all the filters to block all the copyright material. Like, if you didn't come from OG Napster, okay, you got it easy with the Spotify stuff, Apple <laughs> Music. You just, what do I want to hear? Click. You know, do you know how much... 
time I had to devote to downloading an album back in the like if you wanted an album yeah. it was like I had to go find it download it and then come back and hope it finished downloading the next morning you know maybe <laughs> yeah. right it was it was yeah. sometimes it was like a couple of days or something it was terrible speeds and then you'd get it and then and then you're then there would be like you okay i just downloaded the new nelly album and there's some like dj clear you know like all over it was some yeah, weird yeah, remix yeah. and you you didn't know what you were getting until it was too late and you're like god dang it you know so yeah which by the way i did i i want to come clean publicly i was one of the people that was banned from napster by metallica and i held it <laughs> you, i don't know if you've seen the like the 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 like documentaries on Napster or whatever, but like Metallica was the band that came after Napster. And I had some Metallica songs on it. You know, I had a big Metallica fan and they had me banned. And dude, I held a 20 year grudge on those guys. I remember watching on TV. Wow. I saw it on the news and I saw this attorney walking in with a box. He was Metallica's attorney. And it was all these papers, all these usernames that they had found in the evidence to ban them. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And I spun around on my computer and tried to log into Napster. And it was like, your account's been banned. And I was like, you son of a gun. Like I, so I held a 20 year grudge on Metallica. And then we made up at a concert in, in Atlanta. And by, by made up, that means I went to the concert, but I went to the concert. And enjoyed it. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's funny, you know, like uh, with that kind of stuff, sometimes when you push uh, back on people, you know, it has a negative effect. It's an important like business lesson, you know, trying to, you're very strict on keeping the rules and you push back on, you know, your fans. That can that can be something that hurts your brand. Whole different conversation, but that's, uh, you know, important to think about. Yeah, it is. All right, I think we may, I snuck uh, a temperature probe in the chicken bite here a minute ago. So we're very... Uh, salmonella conscious here on the slow smoke business podcast. So we want to make sure we get these things <laughs> nice and nice and done. They look, can you see them by the way? I don't know if you can see that. Oh, they look delicious. It. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a little kind of chicken pocket with, uh, with some cheese in there and some bacon around it. Yeah. I think we're done. Big daddy. Get you some of that. It's making me hungry. Great. So do you <laughs> ever, do you ever grill out outside? You ever do any of that? Yeah, I do. I think I was, uh, you know, like uh, saying earlier that, oh, like in, in preparation for this podcast, I was telling people, it's just like, I, I don't get to grill that off anymore because I live uh, in like downtown Washington, D.C. But anytime I go back to my family's house, I'm like, we should rip out the grill. <laughs> it's, yes. uh, it's, you know, barbecue. So um, it's, yeah, I'm a fan. Always check the temp in the fattest one, right? You want to get in the middle. Yep. Safety first. Safety first is checking the fattest I think I might need to throw these bad boys back on for a minute. All right. Well, we're going to finish up the chicken here. Sam, uh, if they're interested in finding your book, where can they find it? Yeah, you can just go to yournextbigideabook.com. You can look me up. My name's Sam Sanders, as you probably know. Um, And there's a social media you can follow. So anywhere like that. I love it. Sam, I'm about to jump in and eat me some chicken bites with some cheese on it thank you so much for being here and let's have you back soon that was really cool i can't wait to hear what ideas you've got coming up soon man you've got you've got ideas of your own cooking <laughs> yeah what a, what a beautiful pun i love that thank you so much for having me if you guys enjoyed this episode make sure you like and subscribe to us on spotify on apple music on stitcher on you know, your mom's radio, wherever it is. And follow us on TikTok, follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Look for us at Slow Smoke Business.